Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the FIFA jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview composer, arranger, vocalist from Switzerland, Gabriella Martina. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today we have Gabriella Martina, right? That's right. Okay, good. I'm bad with names. That's Thank you good. for joining us, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Can you tell the people about yourself and then we're going to go right into it? Yeah, sure. Um, well, yes, I'm Gabriella Martina and I come originally from Switzerland, from Horv, which is a small little town close to Lucerne, right in the middle. Um, and I started singing and kind of getting into music uh, with yodeling. And that sounds so cliche. <laughs> and it's it's really not a thing Swiss people do. Um, like most people don't. Okay, we're gonna... <laughs> yeah. What actually made that interesting to you? Sorry? What made you get into that? Oh, yodeling. Well, um, my family yodeled. So I grew up on a farm and we all yodeled and it's just a thing you can't miss, right? So we actually had small performances. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I was, you know, a little kid and bored is like folklore, tracht it's called. And uh, yeah, so that that was that. You're laughing. Yes, I am laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell me why, though. I'd, I'd like to know why, because it's it's an interesting reaction I get often. So I'm curious. It's like a stereotypical thing. And then here you are yodeling. And then one of the questions I was going to ask you is why were you yodeling on that one track? Well, I'm yodeling actually on, on quite a few tracks. The I mean, thing is like... There's one yeah, yeah. where Rihanna and T.I. did the same yodel pattern. Yeah. And I'm like, well, were you doing that just to be crusade? But then you're telling me you grew up doing it. So it's just like... <laughs> Well, the thing is, a lot of people think yodeling is just this fast lick, right? Like, like that thing. And it's not just that. I grew up with singing yodel, yodel. So that's long notes and you bend it and, you know, it's like, yolo, yo. It's much more like that. And it's, it's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's very different. Um, what people sometimes have in mind. And yeah, I, I'd like to actually kind of give that story a little bit into the world. It's not just beer, sausage, and the tracht, um and, and fast licks. Absolutely not. It can be super deep yodel. And and to me, when I hear real yodel, like from Switzerland, I mean, I'm I'm crying. So. Okay. Is yodeling on like the billboard charts over there? Because I never um, look at theirs. Well, it depends on which channel you listen to. No, but is it like <laughs> I mean, on the top 10? Well, it, yeah, in, in, in certain, in certain areas, for sure. I mean, it's a thing. There's, there's a yodel fest. My father has been a part of a yodel club, and that's like just the choir, uh, for 45 years. And he's still singing to this day, every Tuesday evening. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. I, want to add later on. <laughs> you have no words. 
What else would well, you I like did to know love about the Yodley? fact that you incorporated that in your album. I did love the fact that it was a very modern, very progressive. It actually had a lot of pop elements in it too. So all that stuff I liked, but I wasn't expecting this backstory. Yeah, all right. I thought you were just go. building off the crusade. Like I said. Yeah, well. Okay. I mean, so when did you come to the States though? I came to the States back in 2008. Um, the reason was Berkeley College of Music. Um, you know, I was into music, as I just said, like since little, it was always played in our home and was always part of my life. But I think I got more and more serious about it around maybe my late teens, I guess, uh, early twenties, um, and started also studying a little, you know, and, and then I was just at this school that we had in our hometown, which was called the Jazz School <laughs> of Lucerne. And just that school. name, right? Yeah, exactly. So okay. jazz, the genre, right? Um, and um, yeah, that was for me not quite the place I like to study that music because that obviously comes from the United States. And I just told that to my friends and then I met... Um, a guy um, called Roger Jöcker, um, who worked for All Blues at that time, which is a big company in Switzerland that, you know, worked for artists from all over the world. And he said, well, there's this Berkeley College of Music, you know, and it's a really great school and maybe you want to go and study there. And I was like, well, is that even possible? And he said, well, nothing is impossible. And um, yeah, I had to kind of get some funds together for that and worked as a night nurse um, for years um, and did fundraising concerts and sold shoes and I don't know, whatever else I needed to You're do. You're an RN or just a nurse, like a seat? Well, I'm not really a nurse. It's just, okay. um, <laughs> you know, I, I just had to have a job and I did that. And um, yeah, I did a lot of other things in order to go and study at Berkeley and uh, eventually worked out. And so your opinion of Berkeley once you're there, yay, nay, was it better, worse? Well, it's once you arrive, <laughs> there's a, a big cultural shock you have to deal with as somebody that's for the first time in the States. Um, and that comes with many things. That's I think for anybody who goes and lives in another country, wherever that is, it's a climate that's different. It's food that's different. People, it's different. Everything, right? So I had to first adjust quite a bit. Um, no, talk about the adjustments. Fine. No, don't avoid that. No, no, it's just, I mean, I gained a lot of weight, for example. <laughs> I, I was raised eating and finishing your plate, the food, you know, and it's, you know, coming from a farmer's family, you got to eat everything. So I was like, okay, my pants are, you know, <laughs> being one of them. So that's, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I realized, okay, I got to stay fit and, and just, you know, I ran every morning around the fence, um, uh, the park there around Berkeley to kind of stay in shape. But that was after a year I realized that. So, but anyway, that's, that's one of the things. The other was like, um, if, if you meet somebody, like, you know, you say like, Oh, so nice to meet you. You're super nice and spontaneous and everything. Yeah. Let's have coffee. Yeah. Let's have coffee. And then you never hear back from them. <laughs> I was like, Oh, uh, did I do something wrong or, you know, and it's, it's, I had to get used to that. Like, uh, how are you? It's not like, Oh, I'm actually today. I'm feeling fine. Um, it, they don't want to know how you are. How are you means just hi. 
um, things like that, you know. Um, but that's fine. That's, that's cultural differences. And, um, uh, that's, that's all fine. Right now, I find it funny, uh, being in Amsterdam and saying, how are you? And you get like, oh, actually, I have a little bit of a back pain and, you know, but, but how are you? <laughs> actually, not interested, but yeah, okay. that's that. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, but you overall, asked. did you love or did you hate the experience at Berkeley? Well, you know, Berkeley is just one small part um, of my experience from the States. So if you ask specifically Berkeley, mm -hmm. um, specifically it's Berkeley. a huge place um, that you have to be careful not to get lost in. I think if I would have been 18 and started Berkeley, I would have definitely gotten lost in. Um I was 24 and started Berkeley and that was better. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the ideal age, but it's definitely, I've already recorded albums. I've already had a lot of gigs back in Switzerland with several bands. I was leading bands. I was, you know, I was very active in Switzerland and I already studied in London for a year. Um, so with that background coming into a place like Berkeley, you just have to know, okay, stay in a direction and target it and go for it and talk to the people you want to study with and surround yourself with the people you want to study with. Um, and you know, that's, that's really, um, what I had to do. And otherwise you, you, you drown because it's, there's way too much, um, yeah, like as a, as an offer that you can, you can't digest everything. So you gotta be smart about it. If people come on just so you know who said they hated it. it it always depends you know who you ask but i mean the people i met there i mean that i have to say that is because of berkeley because my band wouldn't exist you know if if it were not because of berkeley i have to say um all the members yeah. came from berkeley um no ben uh, he was in new york okay. but he's also a later addition um, By the way, adding Ben was great. I actually yeah. love the fact that people, some people are accorded, I mean, incorporating accordions a lot. It gives it different sound and a feel. Absolutely. Agreed. How did you meet Ben? So I was looking always for exactly what you're uh, describing, that sound of, you know, it, it, to me, it's like a comfortable living room instrument that always reminded me of my mom playing the accordion and it has so much of folklore in it um, and it's used in so, so many different cultures and, and music traditions. And I was just looking for somebody for these two tunes that I wrote, Mother Mary and Song for My Father, which were the first tunes I wrote for Homage to Gremlis. And uh, I literally went through entire lists of people and everybody was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not available for that session. I would love to do it, but hey, maybe try this and this guy. And eventually I found Ben. <laughs> and I literally, I mean, I took a big risk with him, I have to say, because I was just like, okay, um, next week in this session, can you make it? This is the pay and these are the tunes. All right, we'll meet at the studio. And we met and we were like, boom. Like it just worked and he was solid and super professional, the kindest guy on earth. So I think with Ben, I was just really lucky yeah. <laughs> um, to just, yeah. And that from then on, it was clear. Okay, you, you're you going to be part of this um, if you'd like, because <laughs> we'd like to have you. 
So did you guys actually have any practice sessions before you went to the studio on this or no? Um, I honestly don't remember entirely, but it could be, it, it sounds it, kind of looking back. I think we met definitely at the studio. We probably ran the tunes once before we recorded it, but I think that was it. Okay. Yeah. After X, because I was trying to explain <laughs> to somebody the other day that a lot of people who are not in the music industry over romanticize the whole recording session like we are all practicing and living together for like two weeks before we record yeah yeah <laughs> hey actually that would be nice that'd be great if we could afford that yes exactly <laughs> i'd love to hang <laughs> would our albums be better probably yeah yeah but it, I, it, it, yeah and what about the rest of your bandmates since I, I can't just say one. That's kind of messed up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to. Use. Well, I mean, they're all unique. Uh, yeah, let's start with Kyle. I mean, he's the bass player and he's been with me, uh, I think, since 2009 um, playing my music. Um, really one of the first ones. Um, super professional, always. Um you know, a bit more in the background, um, keeping himself more out of the game than saying too much and uh, coming in. But if it's necessary and what he says and what he has to add, always extremely valuable. He's a huge character, um, a very chill guy, um, and you can hear it in his playing. Um, and even though there's a lot of energy, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> the Berkeley guy. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, Berkeley. He's playing currently with um, Michel and Diego Cello. Uh, that's his, I think, well, Marcus Strickland, many others, but I think, um, yeah, the Michel and Diego Cello is one of the main ones. Um, Vansel Cooper, also amazing drummer. Um, I first had Alex Bailey. Uh, he moved, unfortunately, to Texas. Um, and then, yeah, I was looking for another drummer. I did a small audition, actually. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Vansel was, it was very clear when he played, um, that it was also recommended by Kyle, actually. And, uh, yeah, we just clicked and I was like, okay, this, this is the sound I'm looking for. And he's somebody that really grew. So I think he kind of had to feel the style I'm looking for out a little bit, but he also realized with me, he can really also just try things. And if it doesn't work, I'm giving him the look. <laughs> or I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> or, or, you know, I'm like, you know, like I'm maybe beatboxing something or, you know, so it's, it's very clear. Um, yeah, the way we work together is actually really nice. We did also some interludes for the newest album, just, um, drum and voice. Um, not sure yet if I'm going to use it, but. I always feel like drum and voice, it's like, um, it's kind of the basic of, of a tune actually, um, because it's both are very natural. You can hit things. That's Schlagzeuger in German is like thing hitter. Um, you can hit anything and it makes sound and the voice, everybody has a voice. So it's like, it's, you know, those two very natural instruments that we all just have in a way. Right. Um, so yeah, um, that's Vansel. A super, uh, extremely talented guy. Like he's a producer. He's a artistic director. He's a pff, sound engineer. He's everything. Um, 
playing with Kimbra right now. He did Hamilton, the touring band, and uh, many, 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 many others. And yeah, just uh, yeah, one of those that I'm just you know thank you for playing my music with me, <laughs> feeling very honored. So yeah, um, yeah, there's many Ben. Yeah, I mean. Ben. Coming back to him, <laughs> uh, he was just here in Amsterdam actually the other day uh, playing with Ricky Lee Jones. Um, that's his newest gig right now. But besides side gigs that he does, I mean, he has incredible own projects. He's a, next to being an amazing accordion player. He's also an amazing pianist, which I think, if I'm correct, is his first instrument. And he had a live stream during Corona and he has an amazing trio um nebula project um and yeah many many other things and he's always on tour i i just admire him for just doing it like no matter what and how however he does it i i'm always like how did you get all these gigs yeah well you know you start to get to know people and you ask him it's like unbelievable he always makes it work and yeah he's uh he's one of a kind um maxime maxime Laborski, um he's the pianist and um, I think with him, there's a very brother-like relationship. He's uh, from the Ukraine um, originally. And, um, well, s sibling-like. Uh -huh. um, he's been in Boston, though, for like probably the past uh, 20 years or so. And uh, he's an incredible um, pianist that can kind of really anything he hears, <laughs> he puts on his fingers. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's just classically trained jazz, R&B, soul. You give him anything and he plays his version of it or the version you exactly want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He, he can do anything. Um, extremely soulful, extremely tasteful as well. Um, and he sinks in. When he has a solo, he's he's gone. <laughs> you got to kind of... Uh, catch his eye to like, ooh, <laughs> you know, so he's really, he's a very, very deep musician. And we also have a duo where we just improvise together, just voice and piano. Um, also with just words from the audience, you know, throw something and we'll make music out of it. Or we take a poem, go for it, or we take a tune and do something. So it's very cool to work with him because I can be very free, uh, which How I like. How did you meet him? Um, also at Berkeley, but he already finished Berkeley. He was teaching there, but not yet um, as a, a part-time faculty. I think he was accompanying classes. And one class that I took as a student, he was accompanying. <laughs> there was a class with Lisa Thorson, um, vocal styles. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, one more. I have one more. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> So Yussi Reyonen is the guitar player of the band um, and he is really good also kind of like Kyle-like of staying out of the picture if nothing else needs to be said because my music sometimes tends to be also quite busy and noisy um, and if there's no space he's like backing out you know kind of like well I guess you know there's no need for me to play that line. And I'll like, well, let's see, let's see. And um, we maybe come up with something else. Maybe it's more rhythmical element or it's uh, 
I don't know, uh, a harmony line to my line or whatever we come up with. And it's, he's always very creative and, um, professional in, in the way we have rehearsals together, etc. Um, definitely, uh, also tries a lot with his effect pedals, which is cool, <laughs> uh, which adds a lot of different sounds. Um, a guitar can sound like a flute. It can sound like a, sometimes also close to an accordion, um, or a violin. So that's, that's really cool. And he's definitely spot on when it comes down to rhythm. So he and, um, Bansel and Kyle, they're kind of like the, the battery of the whole, of the whole thing. Okay. Now, another question I got to ask, cause yeah, it could be a pain. What was the worst part about this project? The homage to Gremlins. The worst part, putting it together, everything. What was the worst part? Uh, I mean, there's, I think the beginning is, is in one way it's exciting, you know, but it took me a while to actually realize that when you first laughed, right? The yodeling, that's exactly also how I felt during a long time in my life. It's like, well, yodeling, I mean, I don't want to yodel, you know, this is, you know. And then I, I yodeled when I was in my apartment in Boston, just out of nowhere. And I never have done that, like in probably, I don't know, 15 years or something, you know, I had left it completely to the side and focusing on jazz and soul and funk and whatever. And then, I felt something here and I started to cry. And then I was like, okay, there's definitely something more than just sound. There's memories that come back with it. There's, there's a deeper emotion. There's, there's something to, to that sound, that particular sound that I used to sing when I was little, that I should do something with it. And I think that moment of realizing it was really nice in one hand and on the other hand it was also kind of like shit how do I do this because <laughs> now I learned all these other styles and techniques and who knows and can I even fuse this this thing you know like these these two worlds basically um, or whatever worlds how, however many worlds together and um, I think, to be honest, that the album is pretty much a product of some tunes do work better than others. It's really now listening back. Not really. I mean, I, I know some tunes don't work for my ears, at least. They're like, you mean songs yeah. that made the album or songs <laughs> that you threw out? No, some songs even on the album when I'm now because now it's already. Yeah, well, see, the thing is, like this album has been recorded. I started 2018, 19 was the big session. 2020 was supposed to be released, right? So now it's 2023 and I'm listening back and like, holy shit, you know, so it's it's been a while. No, um, I, I understand. Trust yeah. me. I released yeah. one that I was sitting on for like four years because I thought it sounded like crap. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. It's just that I want to move on to another project, so I was just like, "Engineer, yeah. please finish this." So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I get you on that. Yeah, yeah. I actually think it sounded a lot better than what you're making it sound like. Come on. I mean, again, it's I'm talking about two tunes that I maybe would be like either out or change or you know something. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy about the the most most part of it, definitely. Okay, I mean, so what actually delayed it? Just the whole COVID situation delayed it, or was it? Oh just, yeah, 
Okay. I was so I was actually I had planned a nine concert tour in Europe in March, and I think it was March twelfth when the first concert would have been, and on the tenth we would have flown out to Europe, and I had to make a decision that week before, right? And it was just the week when in Switzerland COVID got really bad. And then we were just like, well, you know, I mean, we can still fly out from the US to Switzerland, but maybe we get stuck there. And I'm so glad I said, guys, I think we need to kind of uh, discuss this <clears throat> one more time and reconsider. And then I just, I, I canceled it because the risk was too high. And uh, three days later, everything was closed. Yeah, that sucks. <sighs> yeah, it did greatly. Did you lose a lot of money on that? Yes, oh. I did. Yes, I did. Thank you very much for bringing that up. No, it's fine. I'm trying it's, to be honest. Yes, okay. yes. No, and it's good you're bringing it up because some people don't understand what that means. Because the thing is, even with travel insurance and all kinds of credit cards, none of the companies has paid because COVID is not in their yeah. list of things. Ta-da. So, yeah, but I really shouldn't complain because you know what? There's so many grants and organizations from the United States and also from Switzerland that really helped me during that time. So I'm extremely grateful. Yeah, I'm not trying to have so many negative episodes in a row. So I'm trying to keep more positive. <laughs> but yes, I get you on that. Yeah. Okay, so... What is something else that people misunderstand about the music world, just from your whole opinion? In your uh, the music so world in general, you mean? Yes. The music world. Um, I mean, if you ask non-musicians, they're always like, well, but Spotify pays you, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I think that's like a big misunderstanding in, in the, the community, like that. Yeah, they pay maybe, I don't know, now it went up to 10.99 a month or whatever, right? That people pay and they think they pay oh, actually the also the artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I always have to explain guys, you know, so if you want to support artists, either buy their album or go to their gigs or, you know, something, but even me saying like buying my album, it's like, I know that these things, CDs, nobody has a player anymore. And then I have a beautiful vinyl and that's really just for, for lovers that have a vinyl player. So, and there's not so many out there, <laughs> but you know, we still do it. Right. So it's, it's kind of like, I always say like, well, being a musician, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse because you, you, you can't really escape. Trust me, I have tried, but it's, it's always coming back and like Gabriella, bling, bling, singing. It's good for you. So it's, it, there's not much I can do about it. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, but if it makes sense, the music world, the music business right now, I don't think so on a, on a, you know, financial level on a survival level but um one thing i know for sure it feels always good and people appreciate it when it's played live because the way they react it makes complete sense and i don't think it is something that will ever die out okay so you said you tried to run away you tried to quit before oh yeah oh i want to hear about that come on oh <laughs> 
No. Um, didn't you just mention before the negative talks? I'm good. sorry, just go. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, you know, you have to pay rent, you have to pay for food. And sometimes uh, you're like, uh, yeah, how? Um, so, yeah, these are these are the facts. Um, but um, I think I could probably list 15 other jobs I've done in my life to just do music, the love I have for music, just to kind of, you know, be able to do that. Um, but yeah, um, there's not much to say, to be honest, because everybody has such a different way. Um, all I can say is like, I'm always like, oh, fuck this, like, I can't, I can't anymore. And then it just brings me back, be it a year later, be it two years later, be it five years later. It's just like, vroom. And yeah, why? I don't know. <laughs> it's just, here we are again. Oh, you know. Okay. So if you were 18 years old, would you talk yourself out of being a singer? Would I talk myself out? Current uh, you meets 18-year-old you. No, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it makes me feel good. Okay. And I clearly see a reaction with the people. So then I can even give. And that's for me, I think that's always the biggest. If I can give and make other people feel something... And it doesn't always have to be pleasant, right? Sometimes it's just it touches them deeply. They maybe even cry. But I think that is something and that's valuable. And so therefore something's happening here. Um, so yeah, if, if that's what we can do as humans, um, that's beautiful. Okay. Just asking. And yes, <laughs> there are people who said yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay, last few things and then I'll let you go, okay? <laughs> How is the jazz scene in general over there? Hmm. Well, I've been here for only two years um, and specifically in Amsterdam, right? I have to say there is great music. Um, I haven't found my place yet. So that's as much as I can say because um, I haven't been too active trying to play here um, because of maybe one of those periods again where I'm like, you know, don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> um, but it's definitely big chess um, in the Netherlands. I think what I do feel right now as somebody that is new in the scene um there's always this talk, oh, there's a lot of subsidies and lots of grants and a lot of financial help for arts and everything. And I think there is. <laughs> Have I felt any of that yet? No. And I think one of the reasons is because I'm still an outsider, right? I'm not a name yet. And I'm obviously not Dutch. So I'm, I'm a foreigner here. So, you know, in every country, I feel like they they would like to help the people in the country but like in the dutch scene i really feel like they would like to highlight dutch jazz musicians and since i'm not dutch <laughs> um i have a hard time cracking that code and finding my voice um but i have to say like 2 years is probably not enough time 
um, to really establish that and, and say like, okay, now it should, you know, it should be in this or in that way. It's just, it is what it is. And I also have to probably make more of an effort, even though I feel like I'm, I'm really putting in a lot of energy, but it's, uh, probably clearly not enough yet. Um, to, to meet, you know, um, people who, who understand my language, uh, in a musical way and that I can see like, okay, here we can build something. This, there's a seed that I can plant. There's a, a musical seed. And from there, maybe I can have a project and then maybe, you know, um, but I think also what I have to probably change is just kind of the surrounding is much bigger than just Amsterdam. We're like, I mean, Belgium is right next door, right? And then there's Germany down there and it's everything is so close. Paris is like four hours or not even. So, you know, to just keep the scope open, like, okay, well, if it's not Amsterdam, let's go to Paris, you know, let's see if there's something. Um, play with musicians from there or play with musicians from Brussels. Um, so that's, that's something I, I haven't looked into too much yet. Um, I know a couple of people that also, you know, move back from the States, back to Paris, back to Brussels. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I'm still, um, exploring, still discovering a lot of new things. I can't say it has been easy. No. <laughs> um, but you know, it takes time in a new place. Um, compared so, yeah. to Switzerland. That's a tough one to say because I don't know how it would be if I would go back home, kind of, right? To my home country. Um, I, I really wouldn't know because I think the scene has also changed so much there, um, that I would have to get to know that again as well. And, funny enough, but I can't really say I was really in the jazz scene in Switzerland when I left because I did all kinds of music um, and then left and then kind of dived more into that. Um, so yeah, I would have to probably more or less start from zero there again as well. Um, yeah. Okay. And I have to ask, so the New York scene or the Boston scene, which one's better? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, in terms of it's a, yeah. So, okay. Um, New York obviously has a huge history. Definitely Not has history. I just want to say if you went there blindly, because you know, mm. you didn't grow up here, mm. talent level, all that stuff, which one do you think is better overall? Well, as a, as a living musician or as just anybody? Both. Because <laughs> that's a big difference. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> you jumped on the next question. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, New York is extremely tough to survive as a musician. It's for many musicians almost impossible. And the ones that are still there and actually making a living from musical projects. Wow. I congratulate to each one of you. So that, that is the first thing. If you just come and visit and you, you kind of ask like, Oh, where's a great music scene? You know, where are great clubs and whatever? I think both of them lost some, but gained some new ones because of Corona. Um, definitely New York. There's, there's more happening, but I would also say like, don't be surprised if you walk into some of those clubs and there's only five people listening. Um, that's unfortunately also, um, the truth. Um, 
right? I mean, yeah, it's like just because I play in New York, it's like, well, you didn't see the audience because the camera was all facing you, you know, and then you see that on Instagram. Yeah, I played in New York. It's like, well, okay. Um, so yeah. And in Boston, there's, there's just really almost no clubs. I mean, that's very sad, you know, and, uh, I hope that Boston scene is, is going to increase, but there's just so many students, um, that come from those music schools, Berkeley, one of them, um, or NEC. And, um, they would also play for almost nothing or just a very, very low price. And that's always been, um, uh, yeah, a rub there between the professionals who's, who've have been living there for a long time and, and the others. So, yeah. Okay. I just <laughs> had that conversation the other day. Someone was trying to tell me how great Boston scene was. And I was mm. just like, it's super saturated with students. Mm. That's yeah, the yeah, scene. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Boston, I always wonder because my friends and me too. I mean, we always had gigs, you know, it's not that. But where are they? And they're in odd places. It's not necessarily, yeah, really, it's, it's, it's somewhere far or then you go like to New Hampshire to some club or some new place they discovered somewhere or then it's a living room concert, but very, very nice, great atmosphere. And, you know, some person with money has invited their friends and, you know, you get paid decent. So, I mean, it's all kinds of things happen there, but it's really, you have to have lived there to be known so that you get asked or, or organize it yourself, as I always did, uh, those gigs, you know, you have to kind of make it happen. Um, it, it's not just there for you, but that's, I think, for both places, New York and Boston. <clears throat> that is fair. I'm not going to go any deeper or harder <laughs> on this today. <laughs> so could you tell the people where to find you, where to buy your album, all your social media, etc.? Yeah, sure. Um, well, again, my name is Gabriela Martina and Gabriela is spelled with one L. So Gabriela Martina, um, dot com. And yeah, you just go on the shop. You can find the vinyl and the album as a CD or digital there. I'm also on Instagram under the same name with, uh, the number one at the end and Facebook, same thing. Gabriela Martina music. And I'd just like to highlight one more thing because I have my next album already coming up. Um, <laughs> you gave, yeah, my mistake. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, go, 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 go. So that's, uh, it's called States and it will hopefully be released in 2024, um, which will be perfect. Um, because that is, um, also again in November, a big time for the States. States actually refers to that United States, but also states of mind, states of being. And it has a whole kind of twist with words, um, where I make a little bit of fun, um, of a couple of things in the States, <laughs> um, some politics and, uh, yeah, um, very much influenced by Gertrude Stein's writing and also just me, uh, speaking in gibberish and singing some words that don't mean anything until I make them mean something. Deep. <laughs> okay. I look forward towards that one also. Make sure right. I get that. Okay. Sounds good. And everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. That's that. 
on Jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.